On this episode of The Fellowship, we continue our conversation with Eric Schliff and Emily Abernathy, Global Scope missionaries in Brisbane, Australia. They share about launching a new campus ministry, ways they got connected with students around Brisbane, their love for the immense room for creativity found in ministry, the joys of open mic nights, and what it's like to watch students eat spoonfuls of Vegemite. I'm your host, Jake Moore. Welcome to The Fellowship. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I knew, well, I think I knew going in maybe more so than you did that I was only going to be two years. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was never an intention for me to do all four years or three years um, like when I started. Yeah, I knew that I was going to, I was like projecting like a, a launch date and the projected launch date, Sorry, in December 2013, I projected a launch date of January 2017. Nice. That in mind, um, like a lot of people, when they start support raising, they're just like, I got to do it as quickly as possible and get the field as quickly as possible. And I think like having two explicit years for support raising, um, I'm really thankful that we did that because we didn't feel a lot of the pressures that a lot of people are in the field. But we were also planting a new ministry, so people weren't like waiting for us there. Right on the ground yeah the opportunity was out there but it wasn't yeah a team wasn't chomping at the bit for you to get there and serve alongside them in the same way that maybe other folks feel uh going to an an established location yeah yeah Yeah, so we were support raising while studying at emmanuel Mm -hmm. and in may 2016 we were stopping our full-time study and we also we got married at the end of may 2016 and then so by that time we were well over 50 percent i would say we were 70 or 80 percent 70 or 80 percent funded so then that's the rest of that year was just shoring up the rest of the support saying so many goodbyes and then yeah we moved early february 2017 so pretty staying on yeah our plan yeah. Yeah. I also want to mention that we took two scouting trips. To yeah, I was going to ask a little bit about that. So the, you got the email, and I, it sounds kind of like where people get their first dollar, you know, in business, <laughs> and they frame it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I feel like you need to print that off and frame it and put it up, uh, you know, in your office space. Uh, yeah, yeah I thought it was that. <laughs> but so you get this email, uh, you're you're formulating these ideas. Yeah, well, talk. Let's talk about the vision trip, like. When did you go from just the emails back and forth and the interests to actually going and, and, and seeing? And who was on the first trip? Who was on the second trip? I'd love to hear a little bit about that. In March, I'm sorry to hit you with so many days. Dude, no, it's great. Uh, no, it's good. It helps with the time. <laughs> In March 2014, <laughs> we decided that we were going to take our first scouting trip in October 2014. And then that one got bumped to the following March. So our first scouting trip was in March 2015. Mm-hmm. And we had developed this research packet um, through our intern year and our first year at Emmanuel, and uh, included three cities, Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne. 
Um, and so we were going to visit all three cities. We we're going to get a team together for a scouting trip um, that had nine people, including Phil Tatum, so eight potential teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was Emily and I, and Cody and his girlfriend, and our other two initial teammates, Elena and Casey, and Drew Schneider and Taylor Holland. And so there are eight of us on the trip. Um, we went to three cities. Uh, we all flew standby. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, so. Which was fine on the way there. Like, we all made it. Uh, yeah. And then four of us got stuck for two extra days <laughs> on the way back. We, so we spent two days at Bondi Beach in Sydney, which was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, all right. But um, after that trip, we were able to narrow our second scouting trip down to Brisbane based on a couple of factors. I mean, the cost yeah. in Sydney and Melbourne is really high. Mm-hmm. Those universities are more uh, urban. urban and mm-hmm. so a lot of commuters. Uh, so one of the universities we visited, for example, all of their clubs and student life groups met at like noon. Because they, they don't do anything at night. Yeah. Because it scatters and the campus is a ghost town. So it's so a lunch, lunch clubs. Yeah. And lunch campus ministry, that doesn't really work necessarily. Yeah. So then when we first, the first time we set foot on UQ campus uh, on that trip was, it was already like 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. But there was like people playing sports, people throwing the frisbee. Mm-hmm. We were like, okay, okay. Yeah. And right next to the University of Queensland, uh, instead of having like sky rise buildings, it's like a residential neighborhood, you know? Yeah. So we could envision clearly a campus house, mm-hmm. people like milling about and coming in mm-hmm. or, so we were able to narrow it down to Brisbane after that first trip. Yeah. Yeah. And we gave, um, we decided on like a deadline for like who, all right, who wants to like do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, Let's see, four said no and two said yes. Casey and Elena said yes, mm-hmm. along with Emily and I. So that was a team of four at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the following year, we were like considering who else to ask. I think around September, we sent out a couple of invites to um, Chris Godwin and Jay Brunson and um, yeah. Garrett and Skyler and um, Rebecca Miller, who lives in Johnson City, mm-hmm. or Johnson City with us. Yeah. And so we took a second scouting trip the following year uh, in March again, and only went to Brisbane, uh, only talked to students, did a little bit more of like, all right, where could we live? Where could the campus house be? Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. How would we meet students? Should our global scope ministry be an affiliated club with the university? Is that possible? Yeah. Necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And um and then the same thing after that trip ask people for a like yes or no after a couple months uh all three new people said no but mm-hmm. one person from the first scouting trip cody said yes <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> after after we got married actually that was like while we were on our honeymoon he sent us an email that was like hey i'd like to uh, pursue like moving to australia yeah. yeah it's like this is the best wedding present we could get finally right yeah. <laughs> And a lot of those people that did say no, uh, Taylor Holland, Garrett, and Skyler, 
Jay Brunson, they all worked for Global Scope in different fields. Right. They just went to other locations. They just yeah. happened to go to prison. I'd love to hear a little bit about those initial months or that first year. What did it look like trying to find a place, trying to meet students? Um, you mentioned way back in the first part of our conversation that how intimidating it is to think of going to a country where you don't speak the language. But I would imagine that there were a number of hurdles that you guys ran into with speaking the language, but maybe feeling like ships in the dark, like not, I don't think we're communicating the same thing. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Like, how did, how did you find a location? Did you find a location in your first year? How did you start engaging with students, even though I'm sure culturally things were quite different from what you were expecting? Yeah. Um, well, so Eric and I arrived February, and then our next teammate, Casey, arrived in June. So for the first couple months, Eric and I were getting the lay of the land. Um, it was also the first time we'd ever just lived alone as a married couple. Mm -hmm. Because before we moved to Australia, we were, we were living with a friend, which was amazing. But so we were just, it kind of immediately felt like home to us because of that. We were finally like in our own little apartment together. Yeah. And we knew from our scouting trip that there was a lot of clubs at the university that non-students could join. Mm -hmm. So that was and continues to be one of our best outreach tools. Hmm. So week two, I joined a choir at the university and Eric joined the lacrosse team. Yeah. Not, hey, that's cool. Coach the lacrosse team. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. I've been on the board for the choir um, and they've been really fruitful, like, ways to invite students into the garden yeah because what is it it's like okay why are you americans here and why yeah. are you a part of this club it kind of leads into then oh well this is what we're doing and come come check it out yeah. yeah we didn't have our first uh real like tuesday night event our main event we didn't have that until october of that first year so hmm. eric and i are just meeting people meeting people and a fun wrinkle at first is like, we didn't even have a name for the place yet. Like we hadn't mm -hmm. decided on the name of the garden. So people would be like, so what brought you to Australia? And we'd be like, well, we're going to do this thing that doesn't have a name and <laughs> it's hard to explain. Uh, do you want to come? And they're like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds super confusing, but sure. I'm in. <laughs> uh, and so we, uh, I, I do think we kind of lucked out on a few things when we first moved to Australia. We uh, landed on a Friday and we had an apartment by the following Wednesday and then mm -hmm. we bought a ministry van by Friday, by the next Friday. So we had transportation or a van and an apartment within a week, which was great. Boom, boom. boom. Um, yeah. Doug Berman said, don't spend $10,000 without telling me. So uh, I had to send him an email to get that van. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and then so that was February. And then in um, one, I would say, in hindsight, mistake was we started mm -hmm. renting a campus house in May of mm -hmm. 2017. And um, that was kind of unnecessary. Like I didn't realize how readily available housing would be in our neighborhood. Um, in hindsight, I do know that like it's not terribly difficult to like get a um, to rent a space. Um, yeah. 
But at the time I had heard stories from European global scopes mostly that were like, it took so long to get sure. a ministry space. And they're always like, want so much information and it's a lot of hoops to jump through. And so I kind of, or we kind of decided like to get a ministry house pretty early on, which, mm -hmm. so we were paying for rent on two places before we had a second teammate, which was, <laughs> um, but it was, it was a good lesson to learn for like the future that like not every place has as difficult a housing situation as, mm -hmm. like, as other locations. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a real benefit in having that shared knowledge across the ministry of the ministries of global scope, but it's not always applicable that you need to fret over getting a space and locking it in early. If it, yeah, if it's easy to get that, uh, in places like Brisbane, uh, that's interesting. So how did you lock in on the name, the garden? Like you, you mentioned that it took a while to, to come around to that. How, what fed that idea or, and what were some of the other options you guys looked at for uh, campus ministry names? <laughs> If you're willing to mention what they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think all of us, all of the teammates, we all came up with like lists of names. Um, and a lot of them were nature themed mm -hmm. or like a verb or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Chris Godwin in, inaugurated the garden name. Yeah. But I think he, he wanted it to be garden. Without the, the no the <laughs> Facebook, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was like a very clear front runner early on, mm -hmm. and didn't meet much resistance. To, yeah, yeah, it just rose to the top. I think. Yeah, is is some of the the reasoning or the reasons I should say for the nature themes, just like the general vibe around, around Brisbane, like, or is it kind of an outdoorsy, you mentioned the campus, everybody's hanging out is why the nature themes? Uh, yeah. And why, I mean, that, that's interesting to me. The house itself. Um, well, both, we've had two campus houses mm -hmm. and both of them have been sort of like indoor outdoor spaces. A lot mm -hmm. of spaces in Australia are indoor outdoor because the weather is, uh, works for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, there's a lot of, you know, sort of metaphors that we can draw from the name um, mm -hmm. fairly easily, both faith-related and non-faith-related uh, about just like personal growth and like being in a community of fellow plants, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think more, more than we knew at the time, the name has had, just continued to have so much meaning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were very conscious of not picking a name that is overtly religious, like at the forefront. Mm -hmm. um, that's what most global scopes, I mean, all global scopes do that as well. Right. But something that is deep and rich as an image or a metaphor. And we found that to be true. I think in terms of all the garden imagery in the Christian tradition and in the Bible, our main theme verse was, uh, in one of the Corinthian letters. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of them. Yes. I planted the seed, Apollos has watered it, but God is making it grow. Yeah. And that's when Paul's like addressing some like divisions within the. Mm -hmm. But yeah, God is making it grow. And also, yeah. a lot of what Global Scope Ministry is in general, and especially at the Garden, is seeing young 
adults, adolescents come in and they're like shy and insecure and watching them just blossom, yeah. you know, and learn to love themselves, learn to value other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So I'm giving that name to the garden. Yeah. I love that. We have gotten a few people thinking that we're like a vegan restaurant. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and people asking like, where is your garden? Because we yeah. have, actually have a really hard time keeping plants alive. Which yeah. is pretty <laughs> How ironic is that? Yeah. Hey, we're, we're about keeping people alive and helping them thrive. Yeah. Yes. I'm not worried about the plants, right? So we used to have a student, um, a Chinese student who was really passionate about keeping our plants alive and then went back to China. And we've we've struggled. You struggled since then. You're like, dude, you got to move back just to help our plants. You got to help the the plants stay alive. So we have a lot of now. Yeah, cactus. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I want to know what flubs linguistically or culturally have you guys gone through over the last almost six years living in Australia, you've got to have done something or said something that you're like, I meant this, but it means something else. Uh, clearly we're not speaking the same language, even though it's English. I, well, one of the biggest defining characteristics of Australian culture is that they're very easygoing. And mm -hmm. so there's not a lot of like, I don't think there are a lot of like cultural mishaps to be made. Like mm -hmm. even if you were to say something that's like, uh, a, a slang word in Australia that means something else somewhere else. Uh, yeah. No one's gonna be remotely offended by it the way that yeah. might be in a different in yeah. a different context. But um, yeah, I was gonna say that the university gets a lot of international students from Asia mm -hmm. to come and do like their entire degree. So they're there for the full time. So they're uh, we have. Usually it's like half Australians and then half international students at the garden. Cool. And I think with Asian students is where we felt the most uh, <laughs> yeah, cultural yeah, mishaps. Yeah. Like being warm and effusive and saying like, I love you. And uh -huh. you know, going for hugs and stuff. Yeah. Just those Asian people is a little yeah. off. First. It's, like, it's not, that's not where they're going to go. Yeah, no, right off. <laughs> so I've gotten some feedback about that, but the, but yeah. it's like it's the people that um, leave Asia and go to a Western culture for education, mm -hmm. um, especially if they're thinking trying to stay there long term. They're like, I'm open to this. I'm just uncomfortable <laughs> because mm -hmm. you know, growing up, we showed each other that we loved each other by serving the family, you mm -hmm. know, protecting our parents, but we didn't necessarily say it. Mm -hmm. or hug a lot physical physical affection yeah yeah and i think uh, like when we moved to australia i was expecting the primary cultural tension to be between um american culture and australian culture and mm -hmm. in reality it's been more of a tension between like eastern culture and western culture oh wow interesting um, and, and you see do you see that even within the student body that comes to the garden uh like it's sometimes are you tailoring your messaging in some ways to to say, hey, this fits more of kind of a an Eastern mindset than the typical campus ministry Western mindset might be? I do keep it in mind for sure. I, I mean, mm -hmm. we're living in a different context forces you to ask the question of like, 
oh man, these like things that I thought were universal truths are actually contextual truths. And so like, how mm -hmm. do I, um, like dig deep to figure out what the, like, what the truth is. Yeah. And so part of that is like recognizing what things that I'm saying in a talk or challenging students with are like Western cultural norms versus, yeah. uh, like actual, you know, points of growth or like, yeah. 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 Well, thinking about the garden in the last six years, and you mentioned two different campus ministry locations, I'd love to hear a little bit as, as you're meeting with students, as teammates are joining, what did the rhythm for life and ministry start looking like? You know, you, you mentioned the Tuesday night event. Did it, has it always been Tuesday night? Did you have some other time? So fill, fill me in a little bit on wh what did the, what does the week look like? Um, pre-pandemic <laughs> what did the what did the week look like how did you guys settle in on tuesday what other events do you guys have going on at the garden to engage with students and build up community yeah so our main our week is kind of centered around two events uh tuesday night which i think we chose because uh we didn't have any club meetings like we mentioned joining clubs mm -hmm. for outreach um and tuesday seemed like a little bit better than Thursday. Wednesday was out because that's when a lot of clubs meet. Monday too early. Friday, you know. So Tuesday yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then our other event is free lunch, which is Thursdays from twelve to two. Uh, that one doesn't have any programming. It's all just hospitality, food, mm -hmm. um, and people usually hang out like all afternoon after that. Mm -hmm. But you provide a meal on that day. They don't come and make a meal at the house. Right. We provide it. We also provide dinner at Tuesday night. So two free meals a week. Yeah. Um, those are kind of like the anchor points of our weekly schedule, mm -hmm. as well as we have a team meeting on Mondays and then a team devotional celebration, prayer time and lunch on Fridays that nice. kind of like bookend the week. Yeah. Uh, and then in all the flex time. So global scope is so flexible. I think probably all maybe all ministry life is when you're really focusing on people it's there's a lot of like every day looks different every week can look different right yeah absolutely ability creativity like so much room for creativity i love it mm -hmm. um, so in those other times we're having life groups which is like a couple students and one staff person that uh is either centered on faith and growing in that or just if, if they're all non-Christians, then it's like centered on something else. Um, yeah. We're just getting people to make a deeper connection with their friends. Yeah. Which is, I think, also spiritual. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, maybe some small groups, maybe some uh, outreach time. But there's a lot of cooking. There's a lot of mm -hmm. grocery shopping. There's a lot of dishes. You don't <laughs> there's a lot of baking. Uh yeah that's cool yeah and well, then the weekends are kind of more like one-off events and less planned yeah yeah what's what's mentioning the weekend what's it been like being a ministry from you know mostly made of north americans with doing outreach to australian students and students from uh from asia What's it been like engaging local churches or local ministries? And 
has there been a general openness to you guys or a lot of questions about what, what exactly are you doing here? Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. We have two uh, partner ch churches that we've been, um, that we've had for a couple of years. One is our church, Chapel Hill Uniting Church, in, um, which is maybe like three miles away from the garden slash from our house. And then Carly's Church, which is Tuong Uniting Church, which is a little bit closer, um, and St. Lucia, and now St. Lucia Uniting Church, which is the closest Uniting Church to the Garden. Um, the Uniting Church is a specifically Australian denomination that was a merger mm -hmm. between the Presbyterian Church and the Methodist Church. Interesting. Um, so that's kind of where we've found our niche. Um, our church has been a great partnership, both financial partner and like a. Um, well, they've come to cook several meals. They come to cook like oh, cool this semester. Um, we've had folks from church come clean the house. <laughs> for wow. um, we've had uh, Chuang United Church also come cook meals. We've had the pastor of both places lead us in devotional like team devo times um and in saint lucia united church is led by a woman named mandy smith who used to live in cincinnati and ran cincinnati or university church cincinnati mm -hmm. um, and she is australian so she lived in cincinnati for several multiple decades and so she's deeply familiar with both the american context and australian context which is awesome mm -hmm. And yeah. it's crazy that she moved to our neighborhood, like in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's been Emily's mentor for the past um, year yeah. or so. And she's also, mm -hmm. this semester, she's spoken at our Tuesday night event a couple of times. Wow. Um, so there are, some, there are some really good relationships. And we just yeah. love showing and hosting. We love hosting people in general. And mm -hmm. most this question we love hosting people from our churches and allowing students a taste of like intergenerational relations yeah. because when you're in university you're mostly only interacting with fellow university age students mm -hmm. and don't necessarily recognize the struggles of middle age or the struggles of like right. um, so that's been a real blessing yeah, it's really cool. That's so cool to hear the ways that these churches are coming alongside you guys and supporting you in so many ways, financially and physically showing up and cooking meals and cleaning and teaching. That I mean, that's awesome. I don't think many of our missionaries experience that that type of uh, engagement uh, from from local ministries. So that's that's really cool. That's I'm jealous. I'm envious uh, of that. <laughs> that's really neat. As you guys. Uh, have come as things have with COVID moved into more of an endemic state. Now I, I want to look back over these last two, two and a half years and just touch on what did life and ministry look like in Australia for the garden and, and for you guys specifically. I mean, one big thing is you had a baby in the middle of COVID, which is huge. You have Rhea. Uh, who's who's not on the podcast today? Maybe she can make it an appearance at some point. Might hear her. Yeah, we might hear her uh, bumping around. Uh, but so, I mean, that's massive in and of itself. 
but then and then and that's that's a new form of ministry uh have, having a kid in the house but i'd love to hear about that even the experience of having a kiddo uh separated from family can't travel and then also trying to do ministry uh in the midst of the pandemic a little bit if you guys could share about that that'd be great in brisbane uh was we weathered the pandemic really well they it made international news that Australia was very like strict. So yeah. that meant for us in Brisbane, which is not one of the major, major cities, like Sydney, Melbourne had months of lockdown. Uh, mm -hmm. Brisbane, we didn't, we didn't, we were never faced with that except for at the very beginning, like whenever, when the whole world was like, yeah, thinking in the past, if we had just hunkered down for a couple months. Um, so we really reached the benefits of how, much uh sydney and melbourne like took the brunt of lockdowns and stuff uh yeah. so when we we did go online for a semester um and we switched around some events and it it made us get creative which i think was good mm. and, and some of those things actually i don't think we've really carried on uh, too many events that we came up with from that time, but it was like I had a TED Talk small group where we would zoom in and we'd watch TED Talk and talk about it, hmm. which was great. And that continued on for a little while, but then yeah, petered off. But. Yeah, yeah, we I I love absolutely love to tell Americans that Queensland had only seven COVID deaths in 2020 and 2021. So that kind of is. So that, that's meant to sort of show that like life in Australia was relatively normal for us after like June, 2020. So um, the second half of 2020, we were almost totally normal. And then almost all of 2021, we were, had our normal events. The first semester of 2020, which was like obviously March to June was yeah. uh, where we had to get really creative and have events online and uh, have like our life groups online on zoom mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. The second semester of 2020 was we had our, our main event in a uh, cafe, like a local cafe because the mm -hmm. restaurant restrictions were different from like house restrictions. Hmm. Um, and I think like after, after May, 2020, we had a total of 14 days of lockdown. Um, so we were kind of like able to do things relatively normally. Yeah. The hardest part for us personally was that we couldn't travel back to the States at all and we couldn't have visitors to uh, the garden for mm -hmm. two years or so. Mm -hmm. um, and so Rhea didn't get to meet her grandparents <clears throat> for like a year, like 15 months, 14 months, 13 months. Um, yeah. Then uh, we couldn't host the normal um array of visitors that we would get throughout yeah the year. even uh, ex exchangers and things like that that nobody could right. be there yeah and um so 2021 was like I, I always feel kind of guilty like talking to other team leaders about it other ministers about it because like our life was like relatively easy um yeah. comparatively and so Emily and I were talking about that at the end of 2021 as we were approaching a furlough and um, we're just talking about how like our life has been pretty good for about two years. And so how can we 
be a blessing to the people that we come into contact with in the States um, that have struggled through so many difficult choices um, that we have not had to make in the past two years. So many different like personal choices, difficult like job choices. um, That There's been like a weight on everyone that has lived in the States, not just the States, let's say the entire world basically, except for New Zealand. Uh, that have had to like make a lot of difficult decisions that we just kind of haven't had to. Yeah. It's a unique place to be a blessing to people around us. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's definitely not the narrative that's been pushed out uh, on the news about Australia. So to hear that uh, about you guys and about your life over the last two years is really fascinating. And you didn't see a dip even like with student engagement in 2021 uh or was there some general concern and fear about gathering from the student body that was participating in the garden the government sets uh regulations about in in australia sets regulations and people follow them and so when they're and they're taken seriously and they're well communicated and they're Mm -hmm. well formed and so and they're reasonable and they're reasonable yeah and that's that's another Mm -hmm. so when the regulations are not in place people feel very free to like do what they're going to do. And that's part of the choices that like Americans have to make that like in Australia, people who are more well-informed like make and then people comply. Yeah. Uh, And so we didn't, I think in 2020 we saw a dip when we went online for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But then in 2021, the only dip would be that we didn't, uh, we didn't like meet any new international students or exchange students, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fascinating place to have been over the last two years of, of not experiencing the same tension points uh, that other folks and other ministries around the world uh, have run into. Well, as we're wrapping up our time here, I'd love to ask you guys, two questions that I, I, I like to ask our ministers, and that is over the last six years, almost six years of ministry, what have been those moments or those activities that have been life draining for you? Um, and then I'd love to hear then juxtapose of that. What is life giving to you? What are the things that you intentionally maybe pursue and that continue to bring life and sustainability to you as you uh, live out being ministers of the gospel. Uh, if you don't mind taking some time to share with us uh, that I'd, I'd love it. So Emily, if you don't mind, if you've got, you want to lead us out on, you can, and you can flip it. It can be life giving first. Not, we don't have to be Debbie down or negative uh, if you don't want to be. Yeah. Well, a lot of the things at times were life giving and at times life draining, you know, mm. like one of my first thoughts was team working on yeah. a team can be the absolute best, most encouraging thing ever. Mm-hmm. Or it can be a huge energy drain if there's unresolved tension. And mm-hmm. we've been through all different types of, like every, the worst, the best, and everything in between. Um, I think right now it's definitely going to be a life-giving uh, situation. Yeah, But I think consistently draining <laughs> is... <laughs> scheduling things you know just mm-hmm. i hate <laughs> text back and forth and back and forth with someone trying to find a time 
or trying to schedule life groups with people and they're and they're like well i normally go to the grocery store at that time <laughs> and i'm like oh but yeah. it's only available then and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a necessary part of the job that is right you know exhausting <laughs> yes yeah. polls yeah are helpful yeah. or what is good uh and i think life giving so every semester we'll have some of the student leaders do a tuesday night talk hmm. and it is one of my favorite nights of the semester always because a lot of times, uh, not everyone speaking is a Christian, but they know that talks at the garden uh, include the Bible bit. <laughs> we we talk about Jesus, we talk about God every week, mm-hmm. but we always strive to make our talks engaging and applicable to everyone in the room, no matter where they're at with faith. Mm-hmm. So when the students take it over for that week, they do the same and they'll so it's really cool to see a group. Usually it's like three students that will do the talk together. So maybe maybe there's one Christian in there, in there maybe two, maybe zero. Uh, but they they engage in the scripture and, mm. and try to find how it applies to their life and how it can encourage uh, or challenge the community of the garden. And so wow. it's amazing. Yeah, that's, so, that's really cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> I also love our open mic nights, which we have once a semester, uh, because it just shows the type of community that's been fostered. Because mm-hmm. no matter what the act is, it could be pretty bad singing, it could be amazing singing, it could be mm-hmm. cool magic or some something awkward. A soliloquy. <laughs> like yeah. we had multiple multiple soliloquies. In the Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Long, 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 yeah. Everything gets raucous applause and yeah it's a safe place for someone who is shy to like try mm-hmm. what's out there because they're celebrated no matter what and i just i always find it so beautiful one of our students joan uh last year this is the best open mic night act ever um last year she did a monologue of the chess scene from the first harry potter movie like the <laughs> wizard chess scene yeah where like ron sacrifices himself and yeah like, to get to go on and she did like the entire thing herself in a british accent and it was the funniest thing that sounds hilarious and we got she she stood up and she was like i'm gonna do an act now and we thought she was gonna like get a guitar and like play music or whatever yeah. and she just started like yelling like <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. and so would she even like move on the stage being the different characters yes, yes, like, from one spot to another and then like from there <laughs> onto the line uh yeah that sounds epic yeah that that Um, would be hilarious to watch uh for me i think the the draining things are they've gotten less draining through the years but Mm -hmm. the sort of administrative work to keep the garden as a charity as like a registered charity but also like our visa related um struggles we we haven't had any like uh, scares or anything or catastrophes <laughs> remotely. Um, but initially I didn't realize that that would be the case. Like I, I thought that there would be a lot of like struggles early on. And it turns out if you submit all the paperwork, then they're, they're usually going to grant. Wow. It. 
pretty easily. And we've never got, we've never come close to having like a visa rejected. Um, mm -hmm. We've gotten the only emails we've gotten have been like, uh, we need slightly more information, and that's about it. Yeah, it's a lot of work, it's but it still it does take a lot of time. And there, sure. if if I don't review everyone's application, then like there's a chance that like someone forgets something, which yeah. which is fine. Like no one's again, no one's ever been rejected. They just ask for one. Right. So it's the uh, tedious the tedious nature of just that administrative task, though, can yeah. be pretty draining. Yeah, and, and um, the biggest. Um, sort of things that build me up are uh, leading life groups each week and um, our retreats started off like the first retreat I was like I couldn't sleep like the week leading up to it because I was so nervous that like something was going to go wrong and then the retreat happened and I was like this is awesome like why was I so worried about it? like what's going to happen here that's yeah. like a nightmare and you know, and then the next retreat we had the following semester, I had like no stress about it whatsoever, hmm. which is crazy. Uh, yeah. Now it's like something that I enjoy, despite the fact that um, to some extent, like us garden staff are like in charge of it. Like I'm still yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Well, last really important question here <laughs> is how do you feel about Vegemite? Do you like it? Do you eat it? <laughs> or is it something that you're like, ah, I've tried it, but I'm not into it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I find it to be absolutely disgusting. <laughs> oh, that's controversial, right? We might want to delete this part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't absolutely hate it. Uh, yeah. I don't eat it regularly though. But if, yeah. I, if I had a piece, if someone handed me a piece of toast that yeah. had butter and Vegemite on it, I would yeah. eat it. Sure. You would eat it. I would. But it's, I mean, it's essentially like kind of a congealed soy sauce. Mm -hmm. That's what it tastes like. It's, have you ever had it? I have. I have had it. Yeah, kind of a yeasty, strong, kind of, it's got a strong taste to it for sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, Some students love it, like by the spoonful. <laughs> yeah. So one open mic night, one of the acts was eating a spoonful of vegetables. That was like the entire act. <laughs> nice. And, and he got, he or she got a, he, so he dropped the spoon on the ground and it like glanced off of the um, stool. Yeah. And so there was like a little bit of Vegemite on the stool. And that Vegemite stayed on that stool for maybe like three and a half years. <laughs> it's just crusted there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, guys, this has been really a blast to get to know you a little bit better and to hear about your life and ministry uh, in Australia. And I would just say uh, I'm so grateful for you guys uh, and really admire your tenacity and sticking it out uh, at, when you couldn't leave Australia uh, and when grandbabies couldn't see grandparents, things like that. And so I'm just so grateful for this time and, and, and but also for the ways that you have continued to be uh, just leading with that servant heart and putting yourselves out there uh, to make the connections with uh, men and women around the world, but in Australia who uh, who need Jesus. Uh, so thank you for this time, guys, and uh, blessings on you as you uh, work through furlough and as you spend time with family and friends now after being away from them uh, for years. And I'm excited to hear about what the next six years of ministry are going to look like for you guys uh, going forward. Thanks for listening to the second installment of The Fellowship with Eric and Emily. I was so encouraged by my time with them 
And I love the challenge from them to look at my ministry more as an opportunity for creativity than just a series of obstacles to overcome. Please take a minute to like, review, and subscribe to The Fellowship wherever you get podcasts. This will ensure that more people will have the opportunity to learn how they can connect with CMF and be a part of God's work in people from everywhere to everywhere.